Marlo, testing. Are you there? Good evening, Dr. Bird. I'm here. All right. Thanks a lot. Go put you on mute. Hall of Famer, Renee Spencer, are you there? I'll unmute you. Renee, Hello. testing. Testing. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yay. All right. I'll put you back. <laughs> I'm going to put you back on mute. Waiting on Thank Jill. You. All right, now, make sure, Renee, you come a little closer, if you can, to your okay. mic or your phone. One more time. Testing. Testing. Can you hear me, Dr. Bell? Oh, yeah. There we go. I'm going to put you back on mute. All right, okay. now. And, Renee, we'll introduce you around 827 or so. We're going to follow the program or okay. it's early. Okay? Oh, okay. Thank you. All right, now. Okay, Jim, testing, are you there? One more time, Jim, testing, are you there? He's trying to come in. You may have to go out and come in again, Jim, okay? Hello? We have to go out and come in again. Okay, one more time, Jim, testing, are you there? Can you hear me, Cliff? Now I can, good. I'm going to put you on mute. We'll be ready to go in just a few minutes, y'all. Going a little early. Everybody's on mute. All right, now.
10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Good evening. Welcome to another evening of Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the very best in women's sports and HBCU athletics. This evening, we're starting a little early, and we want everybody, before we even introduce my co-host, to take a minute. We're going to take a full minute tonight and just have a word of silent meditation. This week, for the victims of the tornadoes, Arkansas, Tennessee, other parts of the Midwest. Let's take a moment of silence. Let everybody say, amen. Marlo, welcome to the show tonight. Unmute yourself. Tell everybody, hello. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show, especially uh, the moment of silence for those uh, people that live in Mississippi also. Thank you, Dr. Kemp. Jim. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Good, more, good evening, everyone. All righty. So as, a, as usual, uh, there are things in life that are more important than sports, and we will always take the time to acknowledge that. And so, Marlo, I'll, I'll go first. You know, it seems like we could barely get up off the ground, but the man upstairs knows that he's in charge, and uh, he may allow tornadoes to come, but he also is a rebuilder. And so whether it's a Mississippi, Tennessee, even a few that came uh, we know who's in control. What's your thought, Amen. Um, I'm totally agree. You know, long as we continue to pray and know who's in charge um, and who has the, who is the higher power, um, and just lean on on Him, um, we just know that we will be protected and taken care of. Jim. My prayers go out to the students in Nashville as well as the victims of the uh, tornadoes in the uh, Midwest and South. We, uh, we talked to a couple of our classmates who are fine and just prayers go out to those that lost lives and property. Amen. All righty. All right. So here we go. We're in April. Yes, we are. Our woman of the month. We started with a little bit talking about her, but her name is Miss Alice Coachman. All right, all you listeners, look her up. Alice Coachman, full name, Alice Coachman Davis, was born November 9th, 1923 in Albany, Georgia. She died July 14th, 2014 in Albany, Georgia. 
she was the first woman, and she was African-American, to receive a gold medal in the 1948 Olympics, 12 years before our last month's Women of the Month, Miss Wilma Rudolph. Now, let's talk tonight about her early life and education before she even got to that level. Ms. Coachman was born, again, November 9, 1923, in Albany, Georgia. She was the fifth of Fred and Evelyn Coachman's 10 children. Coachman was unable to access athletic training facilities or participate in organized sports because of the color of her skin. Added to the list of training barriers was her status as a female athlete during a time of widespread opposition to women in sports. She trained using what was available to her, running shoeless along the dirt roads near her home and using homemade equipment to practice her job. Coachman attended Monroe Street Elementary School, where she was encouraged by her fifth-year teacher, Cora Bailey, and by her aunt, Carrie Spree, despite the reservations of her parents, and yes, even being spanked by her dad for wanting to go into athletics. But upon rolling, enrolling at Madison High School in 1938, she joined the track team. She worked with Harry E. Lash to develop her skill as an athlete. Within a year, she drew the attention of the Tuskegee Institute of Alabama, where later on she would go on to have a college career. We will continue this story more next week and talk about her athletic career at college. And as we know, she became a gold medalist in the high jump in 1948. So before there was Wilma, there was our woman of the month for April. Her name was Alice Coachman. Marlo, we're going to come to you, but let's give her a cheer. Yes, sir. Honey. Marlo, go on our mic. Give us a comment. Marlo? I'm here. I'm sorry. I was waiting to after the cheering was over. <laughs> <laughs> Cheering sex or something else. Thank, thanks for uh, bringing her to the limelight <clears throat> because I had no idea who she was. Um, even, you know, I had never heard of her. Um, it was just wonderful that um, uh, Wilma Rudolph and others after her was able to, you know, uh, stand on her shoulders and. Um, she is just an amazing lady, so my hat goes off to her. Uh-huh. Jim? Well, as you said, at that time, uh, sports was not considered ladylike. Mm -hmm. And most ladies, they wanted to kind of put them in tennis or swimming. So for her to participate in track and field was legendary. Absolutely. She opened the way for many of us. Now, another history breaker. 24 years ago, in 1999, a young lady named Carolyn Peck, coach Carolyn Peck, in 1999 led Purdue. She was the first African-American female coach to lead a Division I basketball team to the national championship. So before they was gone, there was Carolyn Peck. She's a alumnus of Vanderbilt University. And in fact, let me give it to you now. She was recruited to Vanderbilt to play by the same coach that recruited our Hall of Famer, Renee Spencer, to come to fifth. All right, now that's Coach Teresa Lawrence Phillips. So let's give a hand clap, Coach 
Carolyn Peck. I'm just going to take Jim. I'll take your opinion on that after the clap. Carolyn Peck, well, Jim. Carolyn Peck is now a uh, announcer and commentator for ESPN, does very well. And I think to this date, it's her and Dawn Staley is the only African-American female to win mm -hmm. NCAA title. Yes. And the other African-American female, Jim, we can't leave her out, who went to the finals Division One with a Division Two team was, of course, Coach Vivian Stringer. Okay? So there we have it. There's history in the making and history in alignment. Uh, the women led by... Carolyn Peck. Yes, sir. Marlo, I say this story for you. <laughs> uh -oh. You're not going to believe this one. Uh-oh. Just recently, Julia Hawkins, they called the hurricane. She is 105 years old. She's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, just this month. And she set the McGinnis Book of World Records for the fastest time in the 100-meter dash as one minute and two seconds. And she started running at the age of 100 when she set the world record in the 50-yard dash at 39.62 seconds. So now, all of us who won't get off the couch, <laughs> Julia Hawkins. Look her up, listeners. They call her the Hurricane. Well, we got to get, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Oh, we did it all wrong. We did it all wrong. That's a drum roll. Come on down. That's a drum roll. Marlo, what do you think? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it, man. I mean, who, I wonder how many other runners um was in her heat and um you know uh if if what were their times um and I, I, was it cold that day you know for her to at least uh make it for the one minute and two seconds i mean for her age and she just started running at 100 she's had she had to have been athletic all along yeah, she rode a bicycle up to that age, and then she decided she needs a little more challenge. So, you know. Nice. I love it. Nice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's move along tonight. Uh, we've been covering the Division Three, Division Two, and Division I NCAA March Madness for the women. And <clears throat> this week, or this weekend, Saturday in uh, Dallas, Texas, in the Division Two. Ashland defeated Minnesota Duluth 78 to 69 to win the Division II National Championship. I understand they showed the game on TV or one of those channels. So let's give it up for Ashland. In Division III, March Madness, Transylvania be Christopher Newport News. Transylvania is out of Kentucky, and uh, their women won the championship, and they went undefeated this year, 33-0. So, hey, Transylvania, Division Three, national champion. 
Give it up. Transylvania. Now, let's talk a little about this division. Once happened today. Oh, yesterday. First of all, <clears throat> congratulations to Iowa. A tremendous run. Caitlin Clark, player of the year. Um, but LSU had a little bit too much. Let's talk about the game. And we're not going to spill it all here because we're going to talk some with our Hall of Famer a little later on. A little later on. Jim, your thoughts? A little bit on the game. Well, first, I was going to ask you this, Cliff. Uh, we mentioned that uh, the lady set the record for the 105-year-olds. Yeah. Was there a record before that, or is she the only one? I have to look all – I got to do some more research, Jim. It shocked I, me. I, I, I got to believe that she's the one and only. <laughs> Give it to her. Mar Give it to Marlo her. was being nice when she was talking, but I think she's the one and only. Give it to her. All right. <laughs> the game, Division one. What's your thoughts? Well, if you go back to the semifinal game that uh, Iowa defeated South Carolina, it's a very, very good game. You know, let them play, and Iowa won. But you could tell after Iowa won that LSU was ready because they were talking to talk about we owe Iowa something for beating our sister South Carolina. So when they came out and played the game they played, I was not surprised. Wow. And kudos wow. to uh, LSU. Sure enough. Marlo. Oh, I enjoyed uh, watching the final. I, I, you know, I was kind of upset that um, South Carolina and Virginia Tech wasn't in the finals. Um, you know, however, you know, next year. But it was uh, such a great March Madness uh, for the women. Um, but the, the game was uh, was very exciting. Um, I actually thought Iowa was going to pull it out. But uh, when uh, LSU, like Jim said, you can tell it's just like they were just like, they were hungry for it. But it was very exciting. I enjoyed the game. Sure. And, and, and LSU is a little <laughs> deeper. Jim, uh, I can't remember that freshman that came off the bench in the first half when Angel Reese got in foul trouble and the uh, point guard, but that freshman who came and hit 21, I guess she was a freshman. I don't know who she was, but wow. I think that was yes. came up and it never, uh, <clears throat> I will never recover. But hey, great job. Angel Reese will be back and so will Clark next year. So great job, ladies. Okay, not much break for key players in college basketball. March Madness is over. Leah Boston has declared for the draft. Probably be the number one pick out of South Carolina. There's no problem about it. She'll be the number one pick. But there's not much rest. Let me get a few dates. The tournament just ended. April 10th, the WNBA draft. April 30th, training camp begins. Some of our seniors haven't graduated yet. May 5th, the WNBA preseason games begin. And May 15th is the last possible date for preseason games. May 18th is the final roster cutdown. And May 19th, the regular season begins. So <clears throat> are we really putting too much stress on the ladies of having such a tight window? I'm talking about players. 
coming out of college. Marlo, what do you think? Wow. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and how much they're getting paid in comparison to if they went overseas down the line? Oh, oh 10 times less. And they're getting yeah. the rookie salary. The ones from that college big, right now. Big, the highest paid player gets 225000 WNBA. Two fifty eight, and, and it's it's Brianna Stewart and and uh, Dennis Rossi in the two fifties. Everybody else is a lot less. Wow, yeah, and I know that you know that's more than what they're getting now. Well, I, I don't know with this name, image, and likeness. You just never know, you know, nowadays. But um, wow, it's just like they don't even get a chance to like really breathe and kind of finish out their Absolutely. you know their college mm -hmm. their college years um you know but at the same time they kind of know that when they you know announce that they are putting their name you know or getting you know um you know selected for the draft so yeah um, um I'm maybe... go ahead i'm sorry i was just gonna say you know it's maybe um yeah definitely some pressure on it but i think you know they kind of they should be expecting that um you know especially if that's the route that they want to go. Jim? I've seen Angel Reese and I believe Aaliyah Boston in some commercials. So I'm assuming that they are making a little money with the NIL money. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's what started the whole going over to Russia that got Brittany Griner detained and put in jail for months to try to make more money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, overseas where you can make as a, uh, Marlo said 10 times as much money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to move on. We want to start with our spring sports tonight. I'm just going to talk about tennis in the SIC and also in the SWAT. Then we'll go to commercial. We'll come back from men's sports. But let's get started. So in SIC, these are conference records in tennis. Albany State, 11-3. Clark, Atlanta, 8-0, second place. And their coach will be on our show in a few weeks. Spring Hill, five and three. Benedict, two and three. Savannah State, two and six. Tuskegee, one and one. Lane, oh and seven. Lamont Owen, it says oh and oh. They haven't played a game yet. Fort Valley State, oh and three. That's their conference record, not their overall placement. But there you have it. Let's go to the SWAT, women's tennis. Conference record, Florida A&M, first place, 8-0. Jackson State, 6-1. Alabama State, 7-2. Alcorn State, 5-2. Alabama A&M, 5-3. Prairie View, 3-3. Three three. Grambling State, 3-5. Southern, 1-6. Bethune-Cookman, 1-8. And, and the Mississippi Valley State is pulling up the rear in tennis, 0-9. Next week, we'll bring you our other conferences in tennis, and we're going to bring softball. And, of course, outdoor track is here. We're going to take a minute. We're going to go to commercial break, and then we're coming right back, Jim, with the men's sports. All right, now.
Jim, take us away with the men. Okay, we had talked last week about the NIA and Division Two and Division Three winners. So we won't repeat that for the sake of time. But tonight you have the University of Connecticut versus San Diego State. I don't know if you could possibly have two teams further apart in distance, probably about 3,000 miles from San Diego to uh, Connecticut. But Connecticut, a lot of people's pick to win. And uh, San Diego State is a dark horse. But I think they've got a shot because they play great defense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what wins around this time. And UConn has not been challenged in any game yet. So let's see how they play when the game is on the line. But to show you how crazy this year is, I participated in some brackets. <laughs> I had Alabama winning. But you know what? I am in first place in one of my brackets. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, the only thing that can, that can stop me is two people way below me had UConn to win. So we shall see. Mm. It's been that kind of year. And it's good. And it, some of that extended to the women. Yeah. With uh, UConn losing, uh, South Carolina losing in the semis, because I think to, uh, yesterday's game was a two and a three. So all of the number ones, Virginia Tech, and I forget the other number, all of the number ones lost. Mm -hmm. And it's down to a two and a three for the championship. Now, I went to the MEAC tennis, and I see that you know, they played basically three matches apiece. And one thing we had to realize is not all teams in the MEAC or any division have tennis. True. So I think there's six teams that play for the MEAC in tennis. South Carolina State is 3-0. and Morgan State is 2-1, and followed by North Carolina Central, which is also 2-1. and Howard is 1-2. and Norfolk State is 1-2. and And Coppin State is 0-3. and Men's Player of the Week was M M Michael Carpenter of Morgan State. He has won seven straight singles matches. All right, now. All right, now. And rookie, right, now. rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Week. It's Milakai Banko from SC State. Now, this, uh, the MIAG does not have baseball as a listed sport, but the SWAC does, and I got the SWAC with uh, Air, uh, Alabama State at 7-2, and two, followed by Thune-Cookman and FAMU, both at 7-2. and two. Jackson State is 3-6, and six, Alabama A&M 2-7, Mississippi Valley State 1-8. The uh, player of the week in the SWAC is John Dimitro Bestardo, who had eight runs, four home runs, and ten RBIs the past week? Wow! And wow. the rookie wow. of the well, the pitcher mm -hmm. of the week is Nolan Santos of Bethune Cookman. He's the winner of three straight, and against Mississippi Valley State, he gave up four hits and had eleven Ks. Mm, wow! Now in the 
SIAC, Albany State is 15 and 4. All right. Claflin is seven, 11 and 7. At Clark Atlanta is 10 and 11. Payne, 9 and 11. Benedict, 7 and 12. Morehouse, 4 and 16. And in the Western Division, Miles is 19 and 1. Spring Hill, 18 and 1. Kentucky State is 7 and 8. And Tuskegee is 9 and 12. Lemoyne, 0 and 3 and 15. And Lane, 1 and 19. Mm. Which sport is this for, um, Jim? This is the SIAC mm -hmm. baseball. Okay. Well, what now, on. It's interesting. They had, you know, that they played that many games. Mm -hmm. I guess they. Well, Marlo living in Florida. I know the baseball season starts late January, early February. Okay. So a lot of these schools, there are a couple of schools in Florida and there's some schools in Georgia. So I'm quite sure they started in February. Makes now sense. with the NBA, you know, Ja Moran has come off the suspension, is doing fairly well. The uh, breakdown. Oh, no, I know. Before going to the NBA, I, I sent you guys a little about the uh, HBCU All-Star game that was mm -hmm. played yesterday. Mm -hmm. And team... Dick Barnett beat Team Willis Reed 113 to 99. The uh, the MVP was the, a lot of in a lot of these names we've been talking about all year on our show. Nathaniel Pollard Jr. was the MVP with 13 rebounds and 10 points. You know, uh, Carl, Nick, Carl, Jordan, Carl, Nicholas had 26 points for Team Reed. And let's see, John Walker, the third, joined Nicholas to represent Texas Southern, and Joe Bryan Jr. and Chris Bankston were from Norfolk State. They had about nine players from the SWAC and about 10 from the MIAC playing in this game. And like I said, we got to see a lot of the names that we talk about in our in our weekly stats. Mm -hmm. And I saw it. It looked like it looked like an All Star game. A lot of dunks, a lot of three pointers, not much defense. But you know, hey, they have fun. Yeah, that was good. I'm I was really happy to see them being showcased on CBS, even you know from the pregame, you know, up until. You know, after mm -hmm. it was over, it was really, really nice. So hopefully, yeah, was, since this is going to be an annual, you know, event, you know, hopefully we'll, you know, start coming out and supporting it. Yeah, yes, I, I, I just don't like the fact that it ran at the same time as the women's national championship. So we're going back yeah. and forth, back and forth, you know. But I caught a little of both. Yeah, I caught that, but most of the women, you know. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I had to tape. I had to tape it, but you know, <laughs> I, I thought it, I, I was glad to see that we were highlighted. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like like Marlo said, the pregame show was excellent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, again, I'm sorry in the NBA because I almost forgot about our friends with the uh, 
challenge. But the standings have thinned out a little bit. And, you know, in the East, it's basically the top 10 teams are basically seeded. The Bulls need a win or a loss from the Wizards or the Magic, and they're, the top 10 are seeded. The Knicks clinched yesterday. They are probably locked in the four, in fifth seed, which they'll be playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sorry, Jim. Uh, it must be. It fans. must be in New York. Real New York fans. I'm sorry. It must Keep be in New York. Keep going, Jim. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, on the other end, the Pistons have pretty much clinched the uh, last place with their loss to the Rockets this week. That deserves no claps. Yeah, no, we had that. There I'm sorry. Go. I'm there sorry. There you go. <laughs> I love the Pistons. Now, Come on, Jim. In the wild, wild west, started to get a little better. The Los Angeles Lakers are actually seventh, but in a loss tie, in the tie with the amount of losses, with the Clippers, the Golden State Warriors, and the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm -hmm. So the Lakers could go from being out of the playoffs last week to this week maybe being in the top six and out of the play-in game. All right now. Now, on the flip side, the Dallas Mavericks, I think, are 3-11 and when Luka and uh, Kyrie play together, are now on the outside looking in by a game. I'm sorry. You know I feel about Kyrie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but in this situation, a lot of the fans, a lot of not the fans, a lot of the pundits are saying, it's not on Kyrie, it's on Luka. He looks mm -hmm. out of shape. He looks like he's disinterested. And they're wondering, you know, Kyrie's future is in doubt because he'll be a free agent after the year. But is Luca really happy in Dallas? So that's something to keep an eye on. That's interesting and, because even before Kyrie um, was traded there, it seemed like, you know, they were doing fine. And Luca seemed happy to me. <laughs> here's here's what there. happened. If you look at their starting lineup, they don't have anybody that plays a lick of defense in it. So when they traded Dorian Finney-Green to the Nets, there went their defensive stopper. and It's just like a free-for-all out there. They might score 130. They might give up 140. So, you know, that's their pro – they gave away their heart. And, you know, I, I honestly feel that – the guy they gave to the Knicks. Brunson. Yes, sir. Brunson fit their team better. You know, you've got two superstar guys and nothing. And Tim Hardaway is a good player, too. But you got a lot of shooters. You don't have a lot of rebounders or defenders. And in the NBA, you got to have a little bit of both. So I think they're going to lick their wounds. And it kind of would be poetic justice if they get Victor Wembyama. But, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that later. Okay. In the NFL, no new news on Brett Favre okay. or Lamar Jackson. Brett Favre, you mean Aaron Rodgers? Well, they're <laughs> one and the same. Well, Brett they're Favre, both 30, they're both 38 year old players that want long to play after playing for Green Bay their whole career, long to play for the New York Jets. So I said Brett Favre, but Aaron Rodgers was truly in my mind. Yeah, well, Brett Favre got some other issues, Jim. You know, we can't. We got to make sure yeah. that 
We don't want that on Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> we no. got it. All right. Now. I'm sorry, Aaron. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jim. Thanks so much, Jim. Great job. Great job. As usual, we're going to come back. We take about a minute break. And we're coming back with the 2021 Fisk University's Hall of Fame basketball inductee. None other than that's Miss Renee Spencer. She also was a WIAC champion in 1987. And you're just not going to find a better person to represent Fisk Athletics and Fisk in general. We're coming back. Renee Spencer, one minute. Good evening. All righty. This evening, uh, we have a special young lady. Of course, we consider a very special university. And she represents the best of FIS athletics, the best of FIS ac academics, and the best of FIS sports. In 1987, she helped lead a team to a WIAC uh, championship, a team that finished the game on the floor with only four players. She had two teammates also were Hall of Fame players, and she played for a Hall of Fame coach. Now, she's also worked in government for over 20 years in the Nashville community. She coaches young boys and girls athletically now, teaching them sports, teaching them about life lessons of academics and how to be better young men and women. She's a proud supporter of Fisk University's athletics, particularly the women's team. She's nothing but a role model. She also played semi-pro ball when she fin finished playing back in the 1980s. And then she's taken her talents to go behind the wall and minister. And she's played basketball and brought joy to women who were incarcerated. She's nothing but the best. And that is none other than Miss Renee Spencer, 2021 Hall of Fame inductee for Fisk University. How you doing, Renee? Hello, Cliff. Uh, How are you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, our audience loves you. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. We, we are just thrilled to have you. Renee, and of course, I'm going to let Marlo, uh, we love her. She's a graduate of Tennessee State University, Dr. Kemp. And of course, Jim, who graduated myself in 1985 from Fisk University. I'm going to let them say hello, and then we'll get started. So say hello, Dr. Kemp, and then Jim, and then I'll get started. Hi, Miss uh, Fisk Hall of Famer, Miss Renee Spencer. Welcome to the show. Thank you, glad Dr. Kemp. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm glad to have you today, Renee, and I like those colors you were wearing on the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, Thank you. Renee, Renee is a native Nashvilleian, 
and an outstanding player at Hillsborough High School. That's if we can start there, your love for basketball and how you got to Fisk University because it wasn't a direct flight. So fill our audience in how you got to Fisk University. Thank you, Cliff. How I got to Fisk University, as you stated, I graduated from Hillsborough High School in 1984. I was a superstar there along with my twin tower, Tracy Patton. We dominated in the post at Hillsborough High School. Now we could never stop Pearl High, but we dominated here in the city. Tracy went on to Western Kentucky. I signed to go play at Austin P. However, after I signed, the coach decided that she was going to leave. So because she left, I decided to leave as well because I wasn't comfortable with the incoming coach because I didn't know who it was going to be. So I was uh, recruited by Dillard University in New Orleans, went there on a full scholarship, and I stayed there for three months. So I'd never been away from my mother, who was my number one supporter, the late Annie Spencer. I went there and I was homesick and I cried every day. After basketball practice, I'd come and cry. I'd call my mom and she said, you know what? you're going to continue to do this, you're just going to need to come on home. <laughs> so I said, yes, thank you so much. So here comes Teresa Lawrence on my front porch, talking to my mom, asking me would I, she just got um, hired at Fish University. She was trying to start a team and she asked me, would I like to come play for Fisk? And I'm thinking Fisk. I mean, I know it's out there in North Nashville, but I don't know a whole lot about Fisk. I always wanted to go to a team a school that had a football team. Mm -hmm. But I decided to come to Fisk and the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Renee, I'm going to come right back, but I want to fill our audience in. Coach who recruited you is mm -hmm. Teresa Lawrence then, but Teresa Lawrence Phillips now, okay? Yeah. She um, not only took Fisk, if you're on that team, to a tremendous winning record in championships in two or three years. But yes. she went on to have such a stellar career at Tennessee State University and led those women to OVC championships. She became the athletic director at Tennessee State University, and they won over 12 championships in different sports. She's been inducted into Vanderbilt's team, and she's also just got inducted into the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. She also is the coach that recruited Carolyn Peck when she was coaching at Vanderbilt as a, a graduate assistant. She recruited Carolyn Peck from East Tennessee State right up under Pat Summers' nose to Vanderbilt. So the coach that recruited Carolyn Peck also, y'all, recruited Renee Spencer. Yes, sir. A legendary coach herself. Yes, that's to you. Did we get it right? Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. You got it right, uh, Cliff. All but right, I'd like to add one. Th on. I'd like to add one thing. Uh, sure. Carolyn Peck and I both played on the 1984 AAU team. She would wow. drive down here to Shelbyville, and we played, and we went to uh, South Bend, Indiana, and won yeah. the uh, 17 and under AAU championship in 1984. Come on now. Come on now. All right. Now. You get to Fisk, this basketball team is formed. 
on that team, you had two other young ladies who were also inducted into the Fisk University's Hall of Fame of Basketball. And uh, a lot of good players, but yourself, Miss Jewel Humphreys Watson, you were center, Jewel's a forward, and anybody from Nashville, you talked about Pearl High Tiger women, knows yes. Miss Helen Beard. Tell us, did you know right away when you got in the gym and then you put Coach Phillips there that y'all were in for something special, along with the rest of the team? Yes, uh, Cliff, I knew something was special. We had Deborah Wyatt out of Chattanooga, mm -hmm. Lawanda Shaw here from uh, Pearl Cone here in Nashville, and we just jailed as a team. Of course, we had our setbacks, but we knew we were a stellar team and it showed in 1987, as you stated, we won the championship with four players on the court, starting with seven, three fouled out, and we ended the game beating Center College in 1987. So I knew when I got to Fisk, we were gonna win some championships. We came up short the year before, but we won the next year, we won the championship, the WIAC. All right. Now, there were good teams before you, and there were some good teams after you, and great coaches. But this, these two coaches, and I know you're very familiar with the present coach, Victoria Crawford, and Coach Phillips was there. I was there in graduate school. So I watched her coach you guys, and I've interviewed Coach Crawford who just took this team to 19 wins this year, you know them both. So I want you to kind of compare what you see in both coaches and why the program is having such a resurgence because these teams from they remind me of you all's teams. Tell me what you see. Cliff, I agree with you. The team that we had back in the 80s with Teresa, <laughs> she loved us as players as well as human beings. She got us together. She was tough on us now. She was really tough and she made us tough and we wanted to play for her because we know we wanted to win. We didn't, we didn't, we wasn't aware of what happened in the past. People had told us some things about Fisk in the past, but we wanted to set the mark and be great at Fisk. Moving forward, Victoria got the job and she's similar to Teresa. I compare her to Teresa all the time. She coaches just like Teresa. She's firm, but she's fair. I'll never forget when I first met her, she reached out to me and said she wanted to get the alumni involved with Fisk basketball to bring it back to how it used to be in the day. And that really set well with me. I was so happy and so excited to be able to be a part of the women's basketball team this past year. And I will continue as long as she's there. All right. Jim, I'm going to I'm come to you in a second. I want to ask you one more thing, uh, Renee, because last year, you know, Jim and I do two shows. And we were on Mark Joseph Friends. You heard that interview when Coach Crawford first came to Fisk from Lincoln. And I owe her a thanks myself because the whole concept of women's sports and HBCU sports, the HBCU wasn't there. It was the women's sports. And at the time, it was just an idea. She was the third interview that we had. 
and because of the caliber of women like her, that this platform was born and you make our 19th or 20th interview. So Coach Crawford, we saw it coming. And I remember introducing her on that show. And at the end of the introduction, <clears throat> she said, oh, Cliff, you hyped me up really well. But after the show, Miss James and Mark, I went so hype. She's the real deal. Y'all about to see that. And here we are. So, Coach Victoria Crawford. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now, Renee, we talked about both of your coaches, basketball-wise. But the true test of how well you coach is what your players turn out to be and how they carry themselves. Yourself, Helen Beard, educators, government workers, Jewel, writers, we can go down the line. And then I look at Maya Buchanan, by the way, who played for Coach Crawford this year as a second team NIA All-American. Give it up for Maya. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And some of the things that Coach Crawford, you know about, and instilling in the first ladies at this time, I know they all made the Dean's List in December. But tell us about those two coaches and what they've instilled in you all as young ladies off the court and all the coaches in between. Jim, you got the next question. Go ahead, Renee. Uh, Victor, I love Victoria's principles. Again, I say that she's firm but fair, but she loves Fizz and she loves the girls. And she said it's not, it's more than basketball. It's about them being productive young ladies within the community. So she instills that into their heads, just like Teresa did with us. It wasn't all about basketball. She was concerned about our grades, about what we were doing off the court. But you have to have a caring spirit to know that it's just not about basketball and you care about the girls. And if they know that you care about them and they know that you have their best interest at heart, they're going to play hard for you as a coach. Jim? Well, Renee, I wanted to ask you uh, fast forward into uh, Friday and Sunday, some of the events that happened with the women in the Final Four. Don Staley went on at, at her interview after she lost Iowa, complaining about them using the words a barroom brawl and a fight and to describe her team. And then also the incident with uh, Angel Reese putting the John Cena hand up as Caitlin Clark did in the game before. Just how do you feel about all that? James, I feel that it, it was an attack against Don Staley, and you know you're going to yeah. have Haley. And I feel that Don's teams, the teams she's had in the past, she cares about her, her uh, athletes, and she was determined nobody's going to talk about her players. People have said all negative things about they play aggressive, they cheat, they, they're hard. And she was defending her players as she should as a coach. Let's fast forward to last night with the Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. Well, Caitlin did it to Louisville. Mm -hmm. but Angel did it in the championship, and all of a sudden it's a problem. Angel told you that she's from Baltimore, and that's <laughs> how they play. They trash talk. Men do it all the time. So why now, since the females are doing it, all of a sudden it's a problem. 
and you've heard it on Twitter, all social media platforms, that Angel was wrong. She shouldn't have done that. She's classless. But what about when Caitlyn did it? No. So I just think it's people have their opinions. But at the end of the day, if one can do it, why can't the other do it? Exactly. And I want to. Jim. Oh, we're going to take a break? Quick, 30 seconds. Okay. We're coming right back. Hall of Famer. All right now, Renee Spencer. Jim, then Marlo, your question is next. Jim, your question? Jim? Jim? Marlo, go ahead. Uh, Renee, congratulations to you guys on, you know, that game. I wish I could have just been there back in the day. Um, to see you all play and win, I bet it was just like awesome and something that you guys will like remember forever. Yes, thank you. Uh, my question is, like, what advice now would you give your young your young students athletes that you coach? Um, you know, in terms of um, advice for their future um, that you have learned from other coaches and other people in your life. What advice would you give to them now? to help shape their future? First of all, if you love the game, play the game, be committed 100%. Everything's not gonna be good every day. You're gonna have some good days, you're gonna have some not so good days. But if you love the game of basketball and you want to play on the collegiate level, you've got to put in the work, in the, in the, on the court and off the court. Because again, it's more than just about basketball. It's not just about basketball. It's about books. Because without the basketball, you're nothing. I know in the HBCU All-Star game, the young, one of the young men did say, what are you going to do if you can't play basketball? So you got to have something other than basketball, and that's education. So I would instill in our young people to get your education, go to class, do the work on and off the court. Jim? Okay, I'm sorry, I had myself on mute. I was gonna say how life imitates art. In 1999, Monica Wright said, you know, if when a boy does what I did, just pat him on the back. But when I do what I do, I get a technical. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping you and Marlo remember where that came from. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I like. I always try to look at the big picture. The last two years, the women's division one tournament ratings have shot through the roof, okay? Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to look at the Angel Reese, Little Jessica, or Caitlin Clark. I love it that they're competitive. But, yeah. Jim, you know, I was an inside player. So in spite of the way the game was called yesterday, I remember when Angel Reese got the ball in the post and squared around and caught the Iowa State player in the chin, and they didn't call the flagrant. And then on the other end later on, and I respect, I can't remember her name, that big player inside for Iowa, they were going at it like basketball players. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad when the refs went to the table, 
they decided not to penalize her for that move that she did. You know, when you watch college basketball today, you, Renee, you can appreciate this. You don't see a true post player anymore until you watch the women. All the guys want to shoot outside, whether you're Mm 6'11 or 6'1. But in the women's games, Angel Reese and I can't remember the players who were in foul trouble for Iowa. These are true post players. So it's like the women are playing the game the way it used to be or the way it should be played. And the guys, everybody wants to be Steph Curry. So I appreciate that about the women. And the ratings are showing that the game is coming along. I want to switch, Renee. Season. And then, of course, we know if you go all the way in the WNBA in the summer, within a week, you're playing overseas. And that, and, and what thoughts about that? And what do you think we need to do, Renee? Cliff, I didn't hear the beginning of your question, but I know you were talking about, I heard the last part, you were talking about the women playing, going overseas, et cetera. I think that's too much on the body. Mm-hmm. I really think, um, as you stated earlier, they come out of the NCAA, then they get ready for the draft, then they get ready for the uh, WNBA, then after WNBA is over, they go overseas. Hopefully they won't have to this year. They'll be making more money, I believe, than speaking that to existence, so they don't have to go overseas. But I think they need to rest their legs. When do they have time to rest? I know it's all about making money, and that's your profession, but when are you going to rest? Yeah. And when they don't rest, then they get injured. Exactly. We had uh, Terry Williams, soon to be Dr. Terry Williams, who's a Virginia Tech uh, All-American. And she got drafted in 2004 to the WNBA, didn't make the team, but went overseas. But she said her life, she was running 11 months a year. And the NBA players get two to three months off. Uh, Hey, I hate to say it this way, but there are for horses that run in the treatments that you have to give them rest in between races. So I always say, what are we doing here? And what are we doing to our female athletes? Jim, did you have a question? I saw your mic open. Jim? Oh, I, I, I um, no, but I, I, just, I agree with you that, and, and Renee, that you have a 35 game season in the NCAA, then you're going to play another 35, 40 games in the WNBA. That's about 80 now, 80, 75. And then you have to go to the uh, play overseas to play another 50, 60 game. Your body doesn't get a chance to rest. Mm-hmm. 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 Renee, a couple more questions. Okay. NIL and the transfer portal. Now, we see how it, the transfer portal really helped LSU win a championship. But what are your overall thoughts? You know, when you transferred – a while ago, people had to sit out and things unless it was extenuating circumstances. But do you think – let's take the transfer portal first. Do you think it's helping most kids or hurting, men and women? Good. My views on the transfer portal, it helps, like you did say, uh, it helped LSU, but then it hurts. What about the people that are coming out – the kids that are coming out of high school? You're going into the transfer portal, getting all those people. What about the people who are signing out of high school? Do they get an opportunity 
or if they do get an opportunity, do they get to play being a freshman as opposed to the people in the transfer portal? Nine times out of 10, their sophomores are higher and they have more experience. So you go, of course you're gonna let them play as opposed to the freshmen. So I think it has its advantages because you get some experienced players to bring into your program. Then it's also hurting because you don't get, the, the younger kids don't get an opportunity to be recruited and join the team unless you're one of the top five. A lot of high school players aren't getting recruited because of that. Coaches feel right. they can go get a veteran player in the portal right. and won't look at the high school player. Right. Yeah. A follow-up to that uh, before we get to the uh, NIL is Dr. Ivana Rich was on our show. She's the athletic director at Edward Waters College. And she said what's going to happen is let's take our HBCUs. You and I both know that had uh, the transfer portal been at Fisk when you, Jewel Humphreys, and Helen Beard came, you all could have easily moved up to a D1. So what she sees happening is, okay, our HBCUs don't have the TV and all the revenue and da-da-da. So we end up bringing a kid there and training them, and then they jumping into portals to go to bigger P PWIs. And in the long run, it can end up hurting more our HBCUs. What are your thoughts about that? I think it's, and the kids need to realize you came there for a reason. And back in the day, as you stated, we tough, we had to tough it out. Mm -hmm. We didn't go transfer. I had an opportunity to go to TSU. I was playing uh, down there one summer and the coach said, oh my God, I would love to have you here. My mother said, no, you're going to sit tight. You started at FIS, you're going to finish at FIS. But kids think now what well, the grass is green on the other side. No, it's not. And it ends up hurting them because, you know, you can go. I think you can go more than once because I know mm -hmm. one of the girls from Kentucky. She went here. Then she went there. And now she's somewhere else. I'm like, OK, she was at Tennessee first and she went to Kentucky. Then she went to Florida State. But however, it hurts the HBCUs because everybody's jumping ship. Yeah. And there's some great teams basketball team athletics at HBCU. So why not give the HBCUs an opportunity? And you know why they don't? It was called the, the glitz and the glamour. They think you go to D1, you're going to automatically get into the NBA or the WNBA. And that's not true. Not so they should sit tight and give the HBCU an opportunity. Marlo, then Jim. Yeah, I was going to say, you're absolutely right, because then, it, you know, it goes back to, you know, what is your goal? Um, is your goal just to try to go and go to the NBA or is your goal to try to, you know, and get an education, at least to try to have something to fall back on? And there's nothing wrong with going to the WNBA, you know, um, but you just have to look at the, the bigger picture. Um, I just had a, a quick question too, um, Renee. Um do you still think or do you still suit up every now and again and again and um can your your team your former teammates um along with coach crawford you think you guys can take the current fifth team on the game? I, I, oh. I, feel a, I feel a fundraiser challenge coming along. oh that's dr kim you're speaking that to existence hey we need to make that happen however uh your first question was do i still lace up before COVID, I was lacing up every quarter and we would get a few local girls and go into the um, prison, women's prison, as Cliff stated early, and we would have a ministry and we would play 
against some of the inmates. It would be like a pep rally to them. You see all the inmates in the stands cheering us both on. And we did that every three months prior to COVID. Uh, we did, I did that for a while. The second question, I think that's a good idea, but you'd have to give me and my teammates at least two months to get in shape before we go up against Coach Crawford's team or let us play half court. Yeah. <laughs> five five half court, because I don't think we can get them down the court. Some of us can, some of us are in good shape, but Renee, we need some time to practice. What, Renee, Renee, I'm an interventional pain doc, so if it gets too bad, I can inject you. I got you okay, back. Good. Good. Okay, hey. Nah, I'm going to say this, Renee. I was working at Antioch, and uh, Helen Beard was working there. We happened to have a faculty student game. This okay. was about 10 years ago, but Helen Beard was still kicking butt. Yeah. Okay. So, so I got my money on you and Helen Beer. Oh, think? thank you. Think? Hey. Hey. No, but listen, uh, Renee, I want to, before we get off the air, uh, not only women's basketball then and now it's this, but I also want to give a shout out to all the women's sports. Coach Emily, I hope I'm saying it right, who came on. It's her fourth or fifth year coaching volleyball. She received some awards this year. They finished third in the conference. They're very competitive. Um, and then we all know about Coach Tarver, who brought gymnastics to Fisk, the first HBCU to have a gymnastics team. So overall, the Fisk ladies, uh, it's long overdue, just like the basketball team in 87, are putting Fisk on the map. And then traditionally, Fisk track and field. And women and men. And uh, our first interview, Jim, am I right? Was all American Karen Boxley from the class of 85. So the ladies of Fisk, we all want to and, and, and thank you and promote you. It's long overdue. And uh, we're going to get Coach Lawrence on the show. We're going to get Helen Beard on the show. And, okay. uh, you know, give you a word. Then we get Marlo a last word because Marlo's looking at the tip off at nine. I know what you're looking at. Marlo, go ahead. And then we'll, Renee, you then Marlo. Um, okay. Then we'll get uh, out of here. Cliff, I'd just like to thank you for having me on here, uh, here tonight. Absolutely. And I'd like to give a shout out to all of my team members. I can't name them all because we don't have time, but all of my basketball teammates from my freshman year on to my senior year, I give a shout out and I love you all. And thank you so much for just the love that you show to me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I want to say this, Renee, um, mm -hmm. we, we want to also give our condolences to Miss Paralee Helen Beard, mm -hmm. mother. She just buried her this weekend. And Helen, we praying for you. I hope you hear the podcast, but uh, yes. you're in our hearts. Helen Beard and her mother's name was Paralee. I met her years ago. So Marlo yes. and then Jim. Um, yes, definitely. We sent our prayers um, to Helen and her family. Uh, Renee, it's just been an honor talking to a Fisk Hall of Famer. Yes, sir. Thank I, you. I really enjoyed being around, surrounded by the Bulldogs tonight. Yes, sir. And I, I look forward to um, at least working the clock for the game, for the upcoming game with And Marlo, her, her niece plays for Tennessee yes. State right now. Am I right, Renee? Yes, uh, Zion Shannon. She's currently a freshman, and look, look to look for her next year. She's going to be the face of TSU in the future. I, I'm speaking That's that right. into existence. So That's yes, right. she's Go down Tigers. there now. Jim. Well, in answer to Marla, we do let Tigers hang with us sometimes. But, <laughs> uh, Renee, it was good to have you. Good to talk to you. 
and good luck in the future. Thank All you. right. Well, as always, we promote our sister program, Mark Jones and Friends. This show was birthed out of that, that show. If you want some more sports, Wednesday evenings, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 9, 10 a.m. WFDF. It's also on iHeartRadio. You have Mark, Jack, Reggie, Jim. There's two more added. Jim, help me out. Carl and Derek. Carl and Derek. And they still let me stop by every now and then. Till then, we'll see everybody 168 hours from now. Thanks so much, Renee Spencer, 2021 Fisk University Hall of Famer. Thanks, Renee. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.